Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, jabronis and jabronettes. You are tuned into Double Turn Radio. My name is Xavier Heat, wrestling's favorite hothead, and next to me is my beautiful and lovely co-host, the man with no gimmick, the James Conti. You're tuned into episode 12 of War Ready, where we review both WCW Monday Nitro and Monday Night Raw in what was the highest point of wrestling television in the 1990s. Absolutely, but before we get to the action, let's go ahead and pay the bills. James, where can they find us? As long as you can type in anywhere, Double Turn Radio Podcast, you will find us. You will find all of our social medias where we have our link trees posted. Our most active social media has to be our Instagram, double underscore turn underscore radio. That's where we post the clippings of our upcoming podcast episodes we've got our link tree there so if you can't find us anywhere else our link tree that's attached to our instagram definitely has all of those links most importantly though where can they hear us anywhere you want to hear our pretty little voices spotify apple Podcasts, pandora stitcher sirius xm and amazon podcast along with much much more really wherever you listen to your podcast you type in double turn radio you are bound to find us shout out to joey flats who provides us the intro and the outro to every single episode we put out for you all he has a great single that came out about a week ago uh, called all i need so you can go ahead and listen to him on apple music and spotify as well and of course thank you to the fans of double turn radio for choosing us to be your number one wrestling audio encyclopedia, whether you're on the road as a worker or at home as a fan that just needs their fix of professional wrestling, let Double Turn Radio be your one-stop shop for everything pro wrestling. Absolutely. So, November 27th, 1995. What a time it was. We were just getting off of the World War III pay-per-view for WCW. Uh, we have a brand new world heavyweight champion uh, on the Raw side. We're going to In Your House 5. Uh, you know, we do have Bret Hart as the new WWE champion. So there's a lot to cover. Uh, WCW Nitro this week was from the Salem Civic Center in Salem, Virginia. Not Salem, Massachusetts, to be confused with any of the other Salem's throughout the United States. Um, this match, uh, this uh, show was headlined by Lex Luger and Sting facing Arn Anderson and Brian Pillman. And there were a couple of matches sprinkled in between. Uh, yeah, really, Mongo, Bobby, and Eric are at the desk. What, before anything, what would you think of the action, but What did you think of the shows this week in general? Uh, this kind of fell flat in general. Both shows were really not that great. And... We're going to get into it, but Nitro was pretty much rematches, and... Raw it, was a couple of rematches, too, right. and then just squash matches sprinkled in between. Yeah. Um, so this might be a quick one. It might be, but good Lord, do we have a lot to get through this week. Yes. Uh, so Mongo, Bobby, and Eric are at the desk with Pepe, who has animal print on, because uh, the guys out there are ready to get raw meat. Ayo, pause, Mongo. Foul on the play. Christ. Five I, yards I, back. I got to know who. Rethink your decision and come back to us when you've come up with something else. I love saying it, but like somebody wrote that and said, yeah, this is good. Hey, yo. Hey, yo is right. They hyped the world champion, Randy Savage, 
And and Eric Bischoff has the audacity to tell you right off the bat that the AEW or not, I'm sorry the WCW were, sorry confuse the two very often the WCW Championship Committee finds no controversy with the win Macho Man Randy Savage had last which what the fuck are you talking about whoever's back there Nick Bockwinkle one of the greatest minds of professional wrestling you ain't got eyes buddy because you ain't seeing what we seeing. Uh, officials are backstage looking at footage with all the drama last night. Uh, Bobby says that Randy thinks he's champion, uh, but it's not the truth. Uh, we cut to a recap of Hogan's comments before the main event of the pay-per-view. Uh, Sting and Lex are going to face Arn and Brian later, they announced. And then Bobby mentions how Lex used to be a horseman, so it should be interesting uh, to see all that go down. And then we get the introductions for our first match of the evening, which is for the television championship, and it is a World War Three rematch. Johnny B. Bad versus DDP, except this time Diamond Doll is on Johnny B. Bad's side. And if you thought you were going to get a match like you did at World War Three, which was an absolute show stealer in my opinion, you're very wrong. No, this was the complete opposite. I... Kind of figured as such. I don't think they were going to give us the same match two nights in a row. But I definitely expected a little bit more out of this. Uh, Diamond Doll comes out with a 10-plus sign for Johnny B. Bad. Bad throws Frisbees into the crowd when he's in the ring. Uh, DDP comes out to a chorus of boos. He has flowers in his hand. And he's looking all, you know, uh, heartbroken over the fact that... Yeah. yeah. It's, oh, it's, it, it's it, about it, as it's, 90s cringe it, as it gets. Yeah. Um, uh, this all leads to... Uh, DDP sucker punching Johnny B. Bad. This is also like the next two weeks in wrestling. Like we're gonna bring it up. Everybody's getting attacked before the bell. Like no, nothing, nothing. The bell doesn't start anything. No. The wrestlers just start. No, and then the bell's like, yeah, exactly. Now it's time. All right. Well, I guess if they're in the ring and hitting each other, then the match must start. That's it. <laughs> Christ. Um, uh, DDP has full advantage of the match as the cam cuts to a view of Diamond Doll with the match in the background. Uh, Diamond Doll looks at the flowers and she's examining it. And then she pulls out a link chain, probably enough to wrap around your hand. DDP works on bad some more before Johnny reverses it with a head scissors takeover. Uh, DDP then gets up slowly and asks Doll for the chain that was in the flower bouquet. She instead tosses it to Johnny as the ref is distracted with Diamond Doll. Uh, then Johnny B. Bad punches DDP for the pin and the win with the chain. With the chain, so we got a dirty win from Johnny B. Bad. And the ref was looking at it the whole time. By the way, uh, the ref was not distracted. I mean, she he saw the chain go in the ring. Exactly, that's the problem. And didn't pay attention whole... to the chain. Paid attention to the woman who was clearly on the outside, not doing anything besides throwing a foreign object in the fucking Correct. ring. Um. And this is a, just a dumb way to go about this because she threw it with enough force to get it through his legs. Uh, but after the match, Johnny B. Bad saying to her, well, were you throwing it to Dallas? No. Well, maybe. They're probably going to work that into, a, into the rest of the story. That's but what I thought. What's it called? But like, it's very obvious she no. threw it In enough to get to, to Johnny B. Bad. So mm -hmm. it just didn't look good, but I'm sure that this is the plan going forward. Anyway. Yeah, he was hesitant as he was going up the ramp with her. Um, then we cut to Gene, who's on the ramp with Kevin Sullivan and Jimmy Hart. Uh, mean Gene asks about last night, and Kevin wants none of that. Uh, you know, just meaning at the fact that the Dungeon of Doom did not win the World Heavyweight Championship and that it went to uh, Macho Man. 
he then speaks to Jimmy directly and says that he, uh, Kevin does, speaks to Jimmy directly and says that he thought Jimmy was smart. He asked Jimmy if he's so smart, what is Luger doing with Sting? Uh, all Luger had to do was hold the submission on for 10 more seconds on Randy Savage, and we wouldn't have had the Macho Man win that we did at World War III. Jimmy then gets on the mic, and he says he's the first and only manager of Kevin. I thought Woman was the manager of Kevin from way back in the territory days. I would think days. so, but... Woman was. I mean, it was, you know, documented as such. But anyway, uh, I guess that doesn't matter now. Um, then Lex Lu- uh, he says that Lex Luger and Sting are friends and go way back like he and Kevin does, so pretty much not to worry about it. He, Sting, and Luger have a plan, apparently. Uh, Kevin Sullivan scoffs it off and walks up the ramp, and that's how we end that segment. And then we go to match number two, which is Cutie Suzuki and o- uh, Osaki versus Bull Nakano and Akira Hokuto with Sonny Ono. It's pretty much a rematch of the last of last night's uh, match but at worse. World War Three. It was worse, and they came out with Sonny Ono, which they didn't come out they, with right. the night before. No Mike Tanay this time. <clears throat> no Mike nope, Tanay. So. so we get no context on national television. Uh, as to who these women are, right? Uh, Bobby Heenan uh, the whole time is making uh, very uh, off-color remarks about just Japanese wrestling, as he was the prior night as well. So, with yeah. that being said, it was just—it felt like they were trying to work a lot of the last match into this match. Yeah, but change it up and then try to do it faster. I guess they gave them a. A, a shorter time slot in order for them to work with. Well, Johnny B. Bad and Diamond Dallas Page wrestled for two minutes, and then the, uh, these women wrestled for five minutes and 24 seconds. And if I'm not mistaken, I think they only went about eight minutes uh, during the pay-per-view. Yeah. So it wasn't, they, or eight to ten, I would say. So about half the time, or a little less than half yeah. the time, uh, which, I mean, isn't much to go with, which with the amount of stuff that they were doing to each other. But you would think that they would be beat up a little more and like sore. I don't know. It kind of just seemed like the night before didn't matter much going into this contest. Um, as you're right, the, the Bobby did with dead. He was making misogynistic comments uh, throughout the throughout the match. Yeah. And on top of which, you've got uh, Bobby Heenan. So we, we talked about Bobby Heenan making the comments. The chaos from the previous night also came over or spilled over onto WCW Nitro because they still broke every rule in wrestling. Yeah, <clears throat> so we'll get to it. Uh, chaos breaks out early between all four women. We get a choke slam from Hokuto before a uh, second rope sleeper and Bull Nakano tagging herself in. We then get an awful looking uh, fling from Nakano to Osaki with a brutal face landing. It, I, I honestly thought she broke her nose so did I. on the landing. Uh, there was a pin attempt broken up by Cutie Suzuki before she tags herself in along with Hokuto. It's like, it's like almost as if if the women are crawling towards the person who's on the corner, that woman already is like already getting out of the ring, and she's just like, all right, well, you're you're here anyway, so right. I'm just gonna tag myself in. Uh, Nakano goes for a top rope leg drop after tagging herself in, but Suzuki uh, evades it. Then we get a dual double stomp to Nakano. They did it to her chest. It was pretty stiff this time around. It was back-to-back last night at World War Three, and this time it was dual, like, at the same time. So, they, like, they kind of changed it up a little bit. Uh, Nakano takes both women out eventually and tags in Hokuto with a flying crossbody. Hokuto and Osaki are in with some good fast-paced spots. Uh, Hokuto then performs a beautiful rotating Northern Light suplex before tagging uh, Nakano in. 
Uh, Nakano then gets sent outside from the top rope by both Suzuki and Osaki. Then as all three women are outside, Hokuto goes up to the top for a crossbody, but it only lands on Nakano as the babyfaces uh, evade. Nakano looks shoot hurt with her knee. She could barely stand up at this point, and she was kind of rolling to get tagged out, and she was on the apron. Uh, Hokuto, who got tagged in at this point, does a crazy brain buster on Suzuki for the pin and the win. Yeah, Nakano was clearly hurt at this yeah. point. Not sure at what point of the match it happened. Maybe it was that crossbody uh, from Hokuto. Right. But yeah, uh, not really. Brain much buster. Was, that fisherman's brain buster was wild. Yes. That was a sick That, that brain buster at the finish. end was, was beautiful. Um, there was that rotating Northern Light suplex as well. That was that was very good too. Right. Uh, yeah, after this, we go immediately into the third match, with the, which is uh, the always hilarious Hugh Morris uh, with um, Kevin Sullivan and Jimmy Hart. Versus Hulk Hogan. And if you thought for a second that Hulk Hogan was going to lose this contest, we got one thing to say to you. That's humorous. Anyways, uh, with that being said, uh, do, do we really want even want to go into it? Because we get a headlock from Hugh Morris for all of maybe 10 seconds. And before Hogan really starts to, ta uh, to take over. Um... Bischoff says during the match that he's that the crowd is chanting for Hogan, but it actually seems kind of mixed. It's like people he's not well liked at this point. We're we're getting to that point where they didn't even want to see him as world champion. There's a reason why he's not world champion right now. Um, but yeah, he uh, he's dressed in his yellow and red, so he's still the super baby face that he has always been. Uh, he works Hugh's arm early. Hugh gets out with an eye rake. And then he starts working on Hogan with some strikes. Uh, Hogan evades an elbow and delivers a running lariat. Hogan then bites the head of Hugh and puts his head in the turnbuckle a few times. Uh, him biting the head was a dirty tactic, so I thought that was... I mean, I don't know. Hogan's, I guess, the veteran who could do whatever the hell he wants in the ring. Whatever makes him look good, right? Correct. <laughs> yep, he just... So what ends up happening next is... Um, Hugh Morris eventually takes over control for a little while. He hits a second rope springboard lariat kind of looking thing. Yeah. While, and then he hits his finisher, which I found out later through research is called No Laughing Matter. It's a, a moonsault. Moon but he completely whiffed it. And Hogan sold it as if he as if he got hit. So he goes for the pin. And Hulk Hogan kicks out of this man's finisher, immediately starts hulking up. He does his, his shtick. They do the, you know, he points at him, he punches him, knocks him down, leg drop, one, two, three, Hogan wins. This felt like this was a student match. Yeah, right. This is like, oh, you're going to learn today, buddy. Not two guys that are on national television wrestling on this, probably at this time, this for either first or second, depending on where we're at as far as ratings go. And you know what's messed up is that both men go on to bullying uh, professional wrestlers throughout the rest of their career. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> Absolutely insane. Both jobless now. In incredibly jobless um after this we get a mean gene interview with the new wcw heavyweight champion um can i say this gene is the Im the impeccable interviewer he doesn't mind giving his thoughts to the wrestlers as they're talking and i i like that because we get jerry on raw who's always the heel you know i like seeing uh, mean Gene give his commentary on the whole thing as it's happening. Yeah. He introduces Macho Man Randy Savage as the WCW World Heavyweight Champion of the World. Which means he's the 
ultra only. super mega world champion. Which means that he's only he's the only heavyweight champion. Right. Uh, and Savage says he's ecstatic about winning uh, and that he's going to have a reign of terror on the top of the mountain. And then almost on cue, Hogan comes strutting out. And it, it was so last night at World War Three, they had uh, Hogan had said that uh, he's going to bring the film to Nitro. We're going to watch the film live on Nitro. And Savage was like, I got to see the film. Yeah, if I don't see the film, I don't believe it. And now we're going to get it. We're going to get that film. But he did. Yeah, we're going to get that film. I So uh, Gene says that there's a, a, you know, a cloud of controversy. Hogan comes out. He says, wait a minute, brother. The whole world saw that I didn't lose. He also points out that the belt still has his name on it. Randy said that he planned on getting that changed. Uh, Hogan then shows the replay of what happened as uh, Hogan is showing the clip and Hogan is about to be exonerated. The tape cuts off and Gene blames technical issues. So just when we're about to see exactly what happened and Hogan has his case. So from what happened from the time that the executives saw it to now. So I assume the executives just got the same copy that Hogan got. I, they were that's like, what I'm assuming. They're like, I. Right. They're like, all right, we see nothing wrong with it. All right, let's let's not interview everybody else, you know, who was in the arena that night that watched it. Uh, let's not talk about talk to the commentators who had a, a feed. Uh, it's hold on. And if we have any older viewers in the crowd, please let us know in the comments of our social media, especially under this uh, post when you see it on Instagram. Did they have pay-per-view replays? Yeah, they actually they promote a pay-per-view replay. They promote on this show, so they the couldn't do night. that. Yes, so they couldn't do that. Right, exactly. So you can reshow the pay-per-view, but you can't get me a clean copy of Hogan not going over the top rope. The math ain't mathin', people. That's it. I'm just asking. Make it make it make sense. The math ain't mathin'. Uh, what is it? Did, did the executives also have to pay pay-per-view? They're like, nah, I don't got time to watch it again. So wait, when the replay came out the day after, was that feed cut off as well during the end where people just, you know. Did you take $50 from somebody who wanted to watch it? They cut and, off halfway through? And, and only cut off at the exact climax of that so, match? So the WCW Championship Committee, they definitely got, they're like, yeah, we're, we're going to have to rebuy the pay-per-view in order to watch this because we don't have a clean copy. Okay. But that would mean we have to watch World War Three again. Ah, never mind. No controversy. And we can't fast forward? No, thank you. <laughs> nope. Yeah. No, and I got to watch it live? We saw it. We know what happened. We we saw how trash it was. Yeah. We don't need to live that down again. Um, And if you thought that that was all that was going to come out of this interview, no. You're also going to get a run-in from none other than the Giant. Who, and I'm going to give the Giant some props because there are some times where the Giant looks sick. Gave Macho Man Randy Savage big choke slam onto the concrete floor, or as concrete as I'm throwing up the uh, the air quotes it's, here. It was padded. It was padded, but it's the concrete floor. Uh, Hogan gets dragged to the ring, and by dragged to the ring, I mean he is guided towards the ring by yes. his by his the back of one his one hand around the back of his <laughs> neck. <laughs> um, Sting runs in to make the save. Uh, Hogan then saves Sting from getting a choke slam with the steel chair, which after about the first two or three shots go completely mild. And he's basically, we haven't gotten to the Conan chair shot yet, but this is the precursor to it. So let's, let's call it like it is. Um, so the giant gets dumped over the top rope. Uh, the ref, uh, the ref gets elbowed in the, uh, in the middle of all this yes. by Hogan. Uh, and Hogan continues to assault the giant with a chair. 
Um, and they're all the just way outside up the rim, completely weak. And Savage is still down selling uh, the injury at this yeah, point. Hogan and Sting check on him as we go to commentary. Uh, Mongo says that this is bad and he doesn't want to see the new world heavyweight champion die on the first day of his reign. <laughs> this is madness. <laughs> this man got choke slammed on concrete. He's going to die. <laughs> uh, Bobby then talks about Hogan interrupting Randy Savage and the giant doing the right thing. But it's Eric who makes mention of the fact that Sting called Hogan off the giant. Mongo probably thinks that the concrete is uh, what ended up killing Savage in the end, almost 15 years later. Oh, goodness gracious. <laughs> we get match number three is Arn Anderson and Brian Pillman take on Sting and Lex Luger. Uh, Brian and Arn come out together. Sting comes out alone. I don't understand this. He was just out for the last segment. <laughs> Why does this man need to come out again? Especially after the heels came out. I would have rather Lex Luger come out now and then the four horses. You got to hear Sting's catchy entrance theme. You know, the man called Sting. I get it. Yeah. But then guess what? Speaking of entrance music, you know who doesn't get any entrance music whatsoever? His partner, Lex Luger, because it wasn't the fact that he was coming out solo. They were coming out separate to begin with. But The sound guy, I think, was just... Yeah, the sound guy was off. So he makes his entrance with no music, and it just looks absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, he's flexing. He's just doing like this whole, and nobody cares that he's coming out. He's not, not getting a, a reaction. Nobody cares. It's not like he's getting booed or cheered. The crowd is going completely mild. Uh, Sting and Arn start off. Arn gets Lex upset early, uh, which allows Brian and Arn to get the advantage with some dirty tandem tactics. Uh, short-lived as both men eat bulldogs. Uh, all four men are in the ring now with both the heels getting military pressed and powdering out. Sting then does a stinger splash onto Arn after they get back in the ring and then locks in the, scor the Scorpion Deathlock. Brian Pillman goes up to the top to land on Sting, but uh, Lex pushes him off, and then he lands on Sting to break the hold anyway. So he's going up. He's getting ready to do, I don't know what move he was going to do. I don't know if he was going to hit him with an elbow or a knee or whatever it was, but Lex pushing him off when he, when he lands on Sting as it is. Uh, commentary asked if it was on purpose. Bobby then says that it was an accident. Eric says it was an accurate accident, and the heels keep the advantage. Uh, so, you know, a little bit of an interesting concept going into the, the match. Um, Brian Pillman then goes to Lex Luger, and that distracts him long enough to not get the tag on Sting. It was all like as just as Sting recovered, uh, Lex couldn't get there in time, and then Arn finally um, kept control. Lex is finally having enough of the double teams from Arn and Brian Pillman, so he gets in the ring and starts beating on the both of them. While the ref is getting Lex Luger out, Sting rolls up Brian. Nick Patrick counts the three, and Sting wins it. There's no excuse for the four horsemen to lose matches, and they all they do is lose. All they do is lose. Where is Chris Benoit? Not featured as a horseman at all. The, not the featured as a horseman as at all. As a group aren't featured properly. This is ridiculous. They've lost. Have they won since they formed the group? I mean, uh, aside from uh, aside Saturday from night each other? and fighting each other, I, I have no, I have no idea. They've got to be winning on Saturday nights because we don't see them winning on Wednesday nights. I know that Pillman won. Uh, 
No, Pillman didn't even win against Eddie Guerrero, did he? No, did he lost. He put over Eddie Guerrero. So Eddie Guerrero that was Eddie Guerrero's first major win in WCW. Was 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 taking on Pillman and beating Pillman. Uh, the problem, like I said, it's just I knew, and I didn't even need to look like at the, at anything prior to this to know that they weren't going to win this match. Yeah, I was like, and, and there's parts of me that wanted them to win this match, obviously. Yeah, but no Benoit. We got a flare appearance, uh-huh. uh, and they jumped. They they ended up jumping Sting after Bell, and then they got taken out by Hogan. Yeah, so uh, after Sting gets the pin, he gets up and immediately eats a DDT uh, from Arn Anderson. It was actually like very well set up. Flair runs down to beat on Lex Luger. Uh, Arn, Pillman, and Flair start beating on Lex. Benoit still nowhere to be around. Uh, Hogan then runs down the ramp for the save. Flair chops him, but it matters none as Hogan is already hulked up from before, and he starts laying in some punches on Flair to send all three men out and up the ramp. Hogan then grabs Lex to punch him, and Sting grabs him before he can. Sting and Hogan are in the ring talking a bit before Sting asks asks for a handshake, and we go to break. Yeah, so that uh, was not a great, not a great ending. No, not good at all. Uh, After this, we pretty much just go to commentary. Nothing is made of this until the next week. And uh, we just basically go to uh, Bischoff uh, hyping Saturday night uh, where there's a big announcement for Starcade. That's it. That's how we go off the air. Yep. Um, it's it's certain without going into detail because that's why I'm kind of stuttering here because I want to compare it to Raw because it's just going to go hand in hand with what I have to say about both shows. Um. So I guess we'll go right into Monday Night Raw. Yeah, we'll go to Raw. Might as well. I didn't think it was. I didn't think the show was that bad. I just think that there were. It it definitely left me wanting a lot more. It left me. It left me wanting a lot more. It felt like this was just like a throwaway. I agree. Show when this should have been something worth uh, importance. Yeah. Exactly. Um. But like if, you said, Raw wasn't much better. Yep, let's let's change the channel real quick, and we're going to go over to WWF Monday Night Raw. And if you haven't had enough of the Richmond Coliseum, it's don't worry. It's still going. We're still in Richmond, Virginia uh, at the Richmond Coliseum. King and uh, McMahon introduce us to the show, and they remind us of the upcoming match tonight um, between Kama and The Undertaker. And we're also told that uh, Brother Love is back, and he's going to interview Bret Hart. Without further ado, we go right into our opening contest, which is Rad Radford and Ahmed Johnson. And if you watch Survivor Series and you watched any shows before that and you know how they're building Ahmed Johnson, you know exactly which way this is going to go. Yeah, exactly. I have it in my notes. At literally, word for word, we already know how this one is going to go. I wish, I w- And I wish I was looking at your laptop because I wish I had read it. Um, Rad tries his best to do some damage with some punches and kicks. Before the, the bell. Old, the good old Battle Royal special. <laughs> kicks and punches, kicks and punch. Yep. Uh, but it's the arm ringer that has Ahmed take control. He sends Radford out. Bob Backlund is shown crowdside talking to fans. Oh, heavy Bob Backlund this, this today. And we'll get to it. Yep. Any offense that Rad Radford had in this match was very short. Uh, he used the ropes to gain control, dragged Johnson into the ring, uh, and now the action's on the outside. Uh, Ahmed Johnson cuts him off. Uh, and then once they get back inside, uh, the he hits Rad Radford with a scissors kick. 
mm-hmm. followed by a brogue kick, which was not called a brogue kick at the time. So Just a big, big, uh, big boot. Thrust boot. Big thrust boot, whatever. Uh, and then he eats a huge spine. Bu- uh, Rad Radford eats a huge spine buster. Johnson uh, hits a double underhook power bomb, uh, which uh, Rad with Rad, which Rad, Rad Radford illogically fed for because he's in the pet. So he's in the pedigree position, mm-hmm. right? Or at least on the side because it wasn't a tiger bomb technically. But it is, it is kind of. But we've, we've. So, I mean, yeah, because this is a completely different move than what they were calling a tiger bomb a couple of weeks right, ago. Right, exactly. I'm, now they're starting to play with my logic as a wrestling fan. But he goes into he, so he puts his head between uh, the thighs, and Radford just throws his arms up. Yeah, like he doesn't pick his arms up. He doesn't underhook him or anything. Yeah. Radford just throws his arms up. He's like, "Can we just get this over with? My yeah. career's over. Uh-huh. I want to be done." Yeah, so this is this is like if you get thrown and if you get Irish whipped into the corner, and you're feeding the guy the left arm to get Irish whipped. It's, it's essentially the same thing, right? Or you're feeding a leg to get submitted. <laughs> it's, it's yeah, exactly. It's blaring on TV when you're paying attention to it. And uh, like we said, if you knew how this was going, uh, Rad Radford rolled up Ahmed Johnson for the win. Psych. No, he didn't. I promise you he didn't. Ahmed Johnson won handedly after in that, under three minutes. After <laughs> after that double underhook powerbomb, it was two minutes, 46 seconds. Uh, Jerry is out to the ring. Uh, Jerry Lawler, that being, with a mic to interview Ahmed Johnson. This hasn't gone well in the past, so why would it go right tonight? Did they not have any other staff? Doc Hendricks, I would appreciate more as a as a live interviewer than Jerry Lawler. I can't wait till Michael Cole shows up. Oh my goodness gracious! <laughs> Never uh, thought I'd say that. Yeah. Um. So he said that Dean talked to him. Uh, Jerry did said that Dean talked to him and said in kindergarten he was so excited that he hardly shaved without cutting himself. He then says that uh, Dean said he's gonna beat him at In Your House Five. Ahmed grabs the mic and says that Jerry can get slapped and Dean is the one who's going to get beat. Dean makes his way down ringside and gets on the mic. He says that Ahmed has all the makings of a superstar, but all lessons on how to be a superstar is in his classroom. Ahmed said that's cool because uh, let's get a ref down here and class has started. As Dean is getting in the ring, uh, referees come to break everything up as we go to commercial. Um, So Vince made a note here. This is the big thing. Vince made a note here during this moment that Dean has had trouble against uh, Savio in Philly uh, because he was he was having trouble with his back. It was mentioned about um, Dean having trouble with Savio, so why would you get in the ring with, with Ahmed Johnson? And because, shoot, what's happening is we're getting all of Dean Douglas's last matches. We're about to stop talking about Dean Douglas in probably about a, another couple of weeks. Uh, Dean was shoot injured at this point. Um, it led to something much bigger the following night at Madison Square Garden. When after the, the night after he faced Savio, they were at Madison Square Garden. Um, according to Wade Keller of the Pro Wrestling Torch newsletter, Douglas was supposed to wrestle Razor Ramon, but said that he was injured and unable to wrestle, leading to Razor taking the offense and claiming that Douglas was just trying to get out of a job. The doctor at MSG forbid Douglas to wrestle. And a second doctor later in the week diagnosed him with a fractured vertebrae and bulging disc. Uh, That match would be the final time that Douglas would wrestle for the company, although he had some matches taped prior that would air, obviously, in the the next coming week. So, um, yeah, I don't know if they do commentary post, and this is just their way of, like, 
uh, I don't know, um, covering, covering the tracks. Yeah. But I thought that was interesting. I kind of was like, wait, if he... Because Vince made sense. If you're having trouble with Savio Vega, why would you go against Ahmed Johnson? Not knocking Savio Vega. That's the that's the Puerto Rican OG over there. But, um, the you know, yeah. you, you look at the both of them. Who, who are you more scared to go against? Right. <laughs> uh, back from break, we get a uh, update via video package on HPK's health. Uh, basically just going over what happened after uh, the camera stopped rolling. He went to the hospital. Uh, he was supervised for post-concussion syndrome. Yeah, great. Next week's interview with the doctor is going to be much, much better. The, so tune in for that one. But there actually was something very well done about that, and we'll get into that. And, I, and uh, we'll talk about it. Um. Oh, Lord. <laughs> yeah. So while WCW was running a World War Three rematch from w- between uh, the all four Japanese women, uh, WWF was running a Survivor Series 95 rematch two weeks after uh, Survivor Series happened. And that was between Alundra Blaze and Kyoko and Hawaii. And this was between Aja Kong and Tomoko Watanabe. So I think Kyoko wasn't the... Was she in the Survivor Series? Match? I don't believe she was. I don't think she and was. And I don't think, uh, yes, Alundra Blaze was. If they were, because that was another match that wasn't advertised, that was kind of a throw together match the night of. But um, nonetheless, it, w- it wasn't that great of a match either. No, it's it's nothing to write home about. No, Lawler talks about Kong and says, You don't have to worry about her having bulimia. What? 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 What are you fucking talking about? I have Because listened- she's fat? Listen, because she's because she's a bigger woman as two people who have both either done commentary, wanted to do commentary and seek to do commentary. We are available for booking. Um, This is terrible. This is like like 90s commentary is God awful. Yeah, it is so bad. We hear some one liners in WWE and even in TNA that are pretty bad, but nothing is like this. I guess when it's no holds barred, they just throw anything out there and they see if it works. Whereas now, you know, freedom of speech is a little bit more limited in terms of what you can say without offending people. So it's, I don't know. It, it, not saying that I prefer this there, this modern day commentary, but I definitely take it over what was back then. There were, oh. yo, there are times. Oh, and by the way, we, we I didn't bring this up during Nitro, but like anytime Jimmy Hart's on screen, uh, Eric Bischoff calls him a maggot, and I swear to God, it. I just I have to shoot my head to the screen and be like and rewind it just to make sure he didn't hear what I thought he just called him. Yeah, there are some there are some close call close calls. In all of wrestling commentary. Uh, Barry Dudinsky is promoting the new Brett shirt as all four women are brawling in the ring. In the middle of a fight, he's still promoting merch. You got to get that. This had to be like clearance merch. They were like, yo, we don't That's how we started. That's how we started the match. Kong is being double teamed early, but then no sells Kyoko's moves. Vince is talking about how Kong is shaped weird and isn't going to be in the Olympics because she has a couple of extra chromosomes. So what? So is this passed down syndrome? How did you not catch? I didn't catch that. I really had to. I had to go back. I had to go back and make sure because there was no way that I didn't hear what I heard. But I, I and I almost want to go back and just redo this audio real quick and say exactly what he said. But I'm I'm paraphrasing, but it's it's pretty accurate. He says. She isn't going to be in the Olympics because she has a 
a couple of extra chromosomes. So is she in the Special Olympics? Is she like... What are you trying to say, Vince? Uh, Kong was dominant with uh, the beginning of the match with some splashes. Uh, Watanabe got tagged in and started beating on Kyoko. Uh, the crowd was silent and commentary was talking about Princess Diana for a good part of it. Uh, Kyoko then gets a breath of relief, uh, puts Watanabe in the Romero special before tagging in Alundra only to slap Watanabe. Uh, that was it. That was all she did. She slapped Watanabe and then she got tagged right back out. Uh, Mr. Perfect is going to be on the on AOL the next night, live on 10 p.m. Eastern. Christ almighty, I can AOL. already hear that, that screeching when you're logging on. <laughs> he's also replacing Lawler on Superstars, thank God, while he trains for a potential match against Brett. Jerry Lawler's trying to get a WWE Championship match in 1995. Great. Commentary is now saying that King Kong is Aja's grandfather. I wasn't even paying attention to the match. I was talk- I was paying attention to the commentary more than anything else. I-, I could do a play-by-play on everything awful that they said the entire time. We go to a break with Kong having the advantage. And then we come back from break. And Hawaii has the momentum, executing a body slam and a top rope back elbow to the knee of Watanabe. Alondra Blaze is in while Kong is there. And she performs a standing in Siguri, which gets a devastating maneuver from Vince McMahon. Uh, Kyoto is in and in control uh, after trying to powerbomb uh, in Hawaii. Vince at this point is off the rails and talking about Princess Diana and love stories and Norwegian condom companies. James, how did you not listen to this commentary? Yeah, that's insane. This was, this was absolutely... <laughs> this was insane. Um, uh, Kong was in... Now and she reverses the power bomb and it lands uh, a nasty Saido suplex before a spinning back p- fist for the pin and the win. Alundra Blaze pretty much just stood there and got paid. This was a shit show of a match. Oh yeah, this was worse than the other match, and the other match had no rules. For real, the, the other match had rules but had no rules. These matches were probably going on at the exact same time, and they were both trash. They were both terrible. But, uh, yeah, we get uh, a video package on Diesel's attack of Bret Hart after the Bell Survivor Series, followed by uh, his attack on the referees, uh, in case you forgot where he's coming from now nowadays, because now we're, we're going to get an edgier Diesel. Yay. Uh, Jerry points out that the comments Diesel made about Vince were conveniently edited out before we go to break. So that was an interesting note as well, yep. because they were conveniently edited out. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know if this is... So, oh man, we're gonna get to it. D- definitely check out next week's. Uh, yeah, def- definitely. No, I go. We'll talk about it. We'll talk about it this this week as well. But definitely next week too. Um, yeah. So we're back from break, uh, and brother love is in the ring. It's so awkward to watch. It, it's just very weird. I what at what point was brother love good? He, I don't think he was. I think that people just. For the nostalgia factor, think that brother love was and good. did did Matt Hardy's deletion like broken gimmick when he does that? I knew you'd come. Was this a, is this a play? It had to be. Because it had to be the the timing of it, the way they both say it, and uh, or the way they both talk. It, it's it was really it was too similar not to seem like 
there was some inspiration there. Yeah. Uh, the whole interview is... Oh, and if you don't know who Brother Love is, it's Bruce Prichard. Yeah. Uh, first manager of The Undertaker, ladies yes. and gentlemen. Yes. In this gimmick. And it's not like he was like a, a druid or something like that actually ma- makes... No, he's he, got a he, white tux, a red uh, face, and a red tie as well. Yep. This whole interview is serves... It serves very little purpose, and then it ends with even less purpose. So what ends up happening I is... I couldn't even hear what Brother Love was saying. Yeah, so I have a basic gist of what he was saying. He puts over other WWF superstars and says that uh, Brett made his own mother cry by fighting Owen. Okay, sure. He then says that she'll cry again because he's fighting his brother-in-law, a man that beat him at, at SummerSlam. That's a constant thing that's going to keep coming up. He beat him at SummerSlam. He beat him at SummerSlam. He beat him at SummerSlam. So that's what's going to that's what's going to end up That's happening. what they're predicating this whole match on yeah. at in your house. Uh Brett says Diesel um knows where he stands after uh because he also brings up the fight that he got into with Diesel. He says that what ends up happening is Diesel knows where he stand where they stand after the bell. Uh, and Diesel, and that Diesel's cheap. The uh, Undertaker was also brought up in that, and Brett says that he still thinks about uh, the 1992 SummerSlam loss to the Bulldog to this day. And that is pretty much where he's, uh, where he takes over. Says that uh, it's a dog eat dog world, and he looks forward to redeeming his loss. Right as that interview finishes, Bob Backlund locks in the ch- uh, crossface chicken wing, and. Uh, while that's going on, we're in we're at commercial. We go right to commercial in the middle of, of this going on. Yeah. And then they don't even address it when we come back at all. Uh we get the entrance of Triple H as we go uh as we come back from break. Uh Hunter Hearst Helmsley, not Triple H, the gimmick Triple H, but the man Triple H. Uh as Henry Gonwin is in a cut video at his farm. He introduces us to the different pigs who have different names. He then says that in your house, Triple H is going to meet them face to face. Hunter Hearst Helmsley and Henry signed on for a series of slot matches, and they show Howard Finkel getting covered from, I guess, a couple of nights before in Madison Square Garden is where that one happened. So, I don't know. I guess that's kind of a fourth wall dimension breaking thing. Kind you know? of. I don't know. There's. How did y'all not know that this was kayfabe? Uh, how, I, how they signed on for a series of slot matches so they had one more than the, like this match here that they're about to have at you in your house come on crazy. people hunter hearst helmsley faced a guy named john crystal and if you don't know who john crystal is it's john crystal i, looked I, it up. I actually i actually know who john crystal is but talk about the match real quick it, that that's it uh, he squashed him he didn't do anything nothing happened triple h won John Crystal was born in uh, Baltimore, Maryland. He is five foot ten, two hundred pounds, and on Cage Match, he has worked for not a lot of promotions: WWF, ECW, NWA. Uh, that was in from ninety three to ninety six, and then he wrestled in NWA in ninety eight, uh, and that's about it. Yep, he lost that match with the pedigree. Moving on, and in your house, we're going to get Razor and Janetti versus Sid and the one, two, three kid. Oh, I will say that Hunter Hearst Helmsley slapped the ever-living shit out of John Crystal after he pinned him. 
Yep. I don't know if there was heat for something or whatever. There's no way there was heat. This guy was, was in an enhancement talent. In and they, out. They paid him money to be there. Yeah. That's it. Uh, we get words from Cornette and Owen Hart. Cornette says that they're having a hard time finding people to wrestle after Owen... Uh, Hospitalized HBK. Essentially. Uh, December 17th at In Your House, there's an open contract for a match with Owen. Owen then says that the Heartbreak Kid got busted by the Heartbreaker. He can't wait to find out who he will face at In Your House, but they will end up just like Michaels. And then we go into match number four. The main event of the evening, which is Undertaker versus Sir... Comma. Sir Comma. No, you spoiled it. It's Sir uh, It's, it's going to be Sir Mo, but let's explain a little bit as to why we get there. DiBiase and Kama make their way to the ring. Kama is on crutches and unable to wrestle The Undertaker, so DiBiase announces that his replacement for the match against The Undertaker is Sir Mo. Uh, we also get promoted uh, promotions for next week. Dean Douglas and Razor Ramon. Uh, the Undertaker uh, comes out. Huge pop for his entrance. Uh, yeah. Fans fans love The Undertaker and always will. Yeah, Vince says that it's bone cold in there. Great. So was that line. Um, I, I, lo- I just love how flat we get because it's all Apparently, really with all this going on, yeah. I, I, apparently, well, even with the, with the substitution, Kama's chain is still on the line in this match. Okay. Sure. Sure. Uh, yeah, because Sir Mo is going to get the job done. Yeah, I was about to say, you, if you're going to What a losing, gimme. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, Undertaker's in control early. DiBiase grabs Taker's ankle, causing a distraction. Mo sends the Undertaker out of the ring. Maven, no wonder you were... You, you got nothing on Sir Mo. Sir Mo sent the Undertaker out the ring, buddy. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. Uh, he goes outside of the ring. Taker lands on his feet, goes to chokeslam DiBiase, and lo and behold, comma... Is not injured because he grabs the uh, he, he drops the crutches and attacks the Undertaker while the ref was busy checking on Mo for no reason. The crowd is renting is chanting rest, in, rest peace, in peace really loud. Yep. Before we go to break, uh, we come back from break and Mo was hurting his hand, punching Taker in the face because of the mask. Uh, Taker is angry now and takes Mo and puts him in the corner with a choke. Now Taker is back at it. He delivers a big boot to Mo as he they work towards the middle of the ring. Uh, Taker gets sent back out after Mo evades a move. Kama is there to try and attack him, but it doesn't work, and Ted runs away with Kama. Taker now setting up Mo for the choke slam. Uh, Mo sells it like he's seizing as Toker, uh, Taker gets the pin and the win for the three count, as fucking expected. Yep. Uh, now Mabel's out, and they have a stare off. Mabel goes for the remnants of the urn, but Taker grabs it first. Yokozuna is in the ring now. Don't know why. No idea why. Literally out of nowhere. Uh, they stare down at each other uh, and take her hands, pull Bearer the chain. Bearer is then attacked from behind by Mabel, who takes the chain, uh, who takes the chain, and the Undertaker is in hot pursuit. And that was it. We go Lawler and McMahon after that sign us right off. The, both shows sign off abruptly. Really bad. Yeah. But that's why we're here because we've got to pick and choose which one was better. I have my answer, and it's no, it is a no-brainer in this. The IC title is going to be on the line with Razor defending against Dean Douglas. You said this already, right? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Cool. All right. Um, who oh, you got? Because oh, I know, I know who I got. Oh man. Uh, it's like I'm. Ch- it's oh god. <laughs> I really don't know. I do. I I, so I really I really don't know. I, yeah, so 
I uh, got? I agree with the Nielsen ratings on this one. Uh, Nitro took this one in the Nielsen ratings, uh, 2.5 to 2.3. I got to agree there because at least Nitro furthered some stuff. Like, they continued to tell stories. A lot of these stories are either one-offs, quick little things. Triple H squashing another man while being told that we're going to have a hog pen match. You holding me over because Michaels got stretchered out with a video package wasn't great. The Bret Hart interview was god awful i'll take a interview uh, i'll take the giant choke slamming macho man randy savage on the concrete over that any day which is not a good show from raw at all the women's match was definitely better in wcw Correct. than in raw uh yeah i think i gotta go with you there i think wcw takes it yeah and it's solely because yeah like you said nitro furthered feuds more than just in interview segments. Right. On top of that, like I said, the Johnny B. Bad match, that doesn't sit well because it doesn't make any sense. But at least they're trying to tell more of a story. They're trying to give the viewer that that idea that she's not 100% with, uh, with Johnny. Yeah. So it's interesting. You know what's funny is like that's probably the most interesting thing going on with anything in WCW right now because the only other... The only downsides that I have for WCW is obviously uh, we didn't get a, an answer to any of the questions that we were promised we were going to get answers to, and the four horsemen still look like shit. Yeah. Uh, Whereas on the Raw side, you've got just shit all over. Problems all over the place. Yeah, we're gonna get to Eric Bischoff talking a lot of smack about uh, WWF um, next week. So definitely be sure to tune into. Next week's episode of uh, War Ready because he's pretty much responding to this episode right here in his commentary at a specific moment in time. So be sure to tune into uh, next week's War Ready. In terms of the standings, we have uh, WCW sitting on top of the hill at now eight. Versus Raw's four. And we have two no contests. Yep. With that being said, Raw, you got to pick it up. Come on. Yeah, just... just you Give me a little just something. something. Just something. And I've, I've, I've pre-watched next week's... Uh, you know, we're about to review it in, in, in reality. T- in in we're, recording we're, terms, we're, we're about yeah, to... We're, we're about shoot to about re- to record it, but in kayfabe, turn out to next week's. Because next week's Raw was just a smidge better than than this week's Raw, that's for sure. Whether it wins the standings, who knows? We'll see. We're going to discuss it. Be sure to tune in and find out. James, where can they tune in and find out? If you can type in Double Turn Radio Podcast anywhere, that's where we're going to pull up. Uh, If you're not following us on Instagram, that's where we're most active. We post memes. We post thumbnails for our upcoming shows. And more importantly, we like to uh, interact with our fans on there as well. There's going to be a, a good host of reels coming out as well where we talk just anything that comes to our mind about professional wrestling. That's going to be at double underscore turn underscore radio. And on there, you will also find our link tree. That has the link to every single one of our other social medias, including where they can find us. Indeed. And where you can find us is Spotify, Apple Music, 
Uh, I'm sorry, Apple Podcasts, Pandora, Stitcher, SiriusXM, and Amazon Podcasts. Anywhere you want to listen to our pretty little voices, anywhere you listen to your favorite podcast, make sure that we're your number one favorite wrestling audio encyclopedia because you know whether you're on the road as a worker or at home as a fan, you're making us your one-stop shop for all things wrestling. This has been Double Turn Radio's War Ready. Be sure to tune in next week and to all of our other segments. My name is Xavier Heat, wrestling's favorite hothead. And next to me has been my beautiful and lovely co-host, the man with no gimmick, the James Conti. Thank you. Fuck you. Bye. Bye.